So it's Christmas Day next Saturday. I couldn't help but notice Ian's jumper. <laughs> Do you want to give us a twirl, Ian? <laughs> I think you win the prize for the uh, brightest jumper of the day, Ian. <laughs> but welcome. Before we start our service, Jeanette and Peter have got 
uh, a couple of notices each. Yeah, might as well subtle got reindeers on, but the answer is just amazing. Okay, just a couple of things, uh, mainly sort of services coming up really, but uh, uh, Carol's service this afternoon at 4.30. Uh, obviously, everybody's welcome, bring a friend. Um, we're asking uh, if you would be able to, if you're coming to do a lateral flow test. So if you could uh, do that before you uh, come, that'd be great. Uh, it will be live streamed as well. So that's half past four this afternoon. Uh, Friday's Christmas Eve. And uh, we have our family, family nativity service here at four o'clock. Uh, children are invited to come dressed as, an, as a nativity character, Mary, Joseph, a shepherd, or a wise man. Uh, we have our midnight community service uh, on Christmas Eve at 11.15 p.m. Uh, our Christmas Day service is, is a holy communion service at 10 o'clock on Christmas Day. We also have a simple said service on Boxing Day, that's next Sunday, that's at 9 o'clock. And finally, as the news sheet says, the church office will be closed from Wednesday this week through to the 30th of December. Thank you. Morning, everyone. I really don't know why I bought this piece of paper up home turning my head in church waiting for my children to bring my glasses but um so yeah i've bought a piece of paper but i'm not going to read off it so bear with me um reverend peter's asked me to say a few words this morning about the children and families work because it's been a while since i've updated you um, so i'm going to basically try and focus on the three main areas which is one sunbeams um which i've got the most amazing sunbeams team which I've got to say a huge thank you for, the dedication that they have committed themselves to Monday mornings has been just amazing. And I, I do thank each and every one of the Sunbeams teams that, that's um, just, just been there every Monday, all through lockdown even, on the Zoom we've, we've met. And they've continued to make refreshments every morning and just be there talking to the parents. So just thank you all. Um, we have a lovely time at 10 o'clock on a, Sunday, a Monday morning. The children come for some um, free time in the church hall. And then we go um, into the foyer for some refreshments. And we were having some time in here where we were enjoying some songs, a story and some worship time. The children we've got here are really, really young. They're under two, most the majority of them. Um, and we found that it was a bit um, trying and testing to get them to listen to a story. So we, we, just, we just have fun with songs, with music, with Christian um, words. Um, it's been a lovely time uh, to enjoy together. If you want to be part of this, this team, we've always got a space for you. Please come and have a word with me at the end. We have had a few had to drop off over the COVID uh, period, and I'd love to welcome you on board with the team if you feel God's calling you to that. Um, the other part of my main work is Sundays, and as you will know, you, you see me most Sundays, well, every Sunday here. Um, there's something on offer for the children every Sunday. We're trying to encourage the all-age service that we've carried on that was previously outside um, through the main COVID um, 
lockdown, which we've now brought inside to the first uh, Sunday of the month, and we've continued to, to try and be, make, make this space um, at these all-age services to welcome new families. But we also want you lot, we want the church congregation to get behind it, to be welcoming these new families in. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a lovely field service, it's very light-hearted, and we found this a good space to welcome new families into church. And this is where we encourage them to come on this Sunday. Um, the other Sundays, as you know, we have a joint service where the children do a little bit um, inside church. But, but today we're having a Christmas party. Um, and then on the other two Sundays of the month, we go out the back and uh, do, do stuff together, which is really fun. Thank you, Poppy, for my glasses. <laughs> I know what I'm saying there. Yeah, thank you. Um, Oak Meadow as well, uh, obviously a massive part of my work. Um, the assemblies have continued to take place. We've had the occasional cancellation due to COVID, lack of, um, yeah, not being able to go into school. We welcome them into a, a whole school assembly as Harvest, which was lovely. Um, I thank Reverend Peter and Stuart Horobin have been supporting the assemblies, uh, which, is, which has been great. Um, we've also enjoyed summer assemblies outside at Oak Meadow. We, they've created a lovely worship area, which has an outdoor stage, wooden cross. You can see it's very Christian. And we've been, we spent the summer doing our assemblies outside with the children, which was lovely. And we also had an amazing, take yourself back, uh, Reverend Peter, to this, if you can remember, and the band as well that came with us to a summer celebration outside on the school field uh, where we, the whole school came down um, in, in, in classes, broken up into classes, and we celebrated. You can take God with you wherever you go. And we also had um, You for Christ come in and do It's Your Move with the Year Sixes. Um, more recently, just a couple of weeks ago, uh, we did Chris Dingle with the children in Years 3 and 4. And we learned all about the children's society. Why, um, why, why do we make a Christingle? Why it's special to Christians? Um, which was just really valuable. I think we got through 130 Christingles on that workshop. And the very latest thing we've done is we welcomed year two here into church as part of their RE lesson. Uh, just last week and the week before, we had two different classes. And they came to learn about important parts of a, a, a a Christian church and why different things are important to Christians and we also did a little mini mock communion with them uh, where that where we shared teddy bear crisps and uh, squash um, yeah no no wine um, but yeah that, that oh light overcomes darkness as well which I know a lot of you came to which was a, an event in October where we enjoyed a light party here in church uh, which was lovely too um, and I really appreciate all the teams that have got together supporting the children's work. It's really valuable as a church. It's not just, I, I see it as a, a family, and it's not just for young people to be involved with young children. It's for the whole structure of the church. You know, you look at your own family, we've got all ages. It's for all ages to get involved. So please come and have a word with me if it's something you want to get involved in. Uh, but I do thank you for all your ongoing support or ongoing prayers. It means the world. Um, two more things I just want to re remind you of. It's the Christmas Eve nativity, as Peter said, um, and the Children's Society. 
Uh, there's still a collection box outside, uh, outside in the foyer, if you can donate to that. Children's Society is an amazing charity. They've got work in Shropshire, um, an organisation called Beam. They do work with under-25s here working in Shropshire, and it's amazing. If you can donate to that, that would be amazing. But thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks. Don't go too far, Jeanette. <laughs> um, Jeanette and some of the children are going to come up and light the Advent candle, and there should be some words, some responsive words coming on the screen. <laughs> Sorry, thank you, John, for reminding me I was wearing my mask. We've got so used to wearing them, haven't we? We're starting to forget we've got them on. Um, Jeanette, do you want to bring some children up and we'll light the candles? On the um, so as they light the candles let's uh, hear and say these words let your light shine let your spirit soar throw open your mind hand over your heart here it comes love it shines in the darkness, it sings in the shadows, it will not cower and cannot be contained. Love was the hope of the saints, the call of the prophets. Love was the fire in the belly of John the Baptist and the courage of, the mother, of Jesus' mother, Mary. Lamp in the window, beacon on the hill, star in the night sky. Love, you lead us home. On this fourth Sunday of Advent, we light a candle for love. We light a candle for love. May it light the way. And Chris is going to lead us in our first song, which is Lo, He Comes with Clouds Descending. Thank you, Chris.
we've sung that wonderful hymn by Charles Wesley, which reminds us that it's not just Jesus coming as a baby at Christmas, but all that his life, life's journey entailed, and why he journeyed that journey for us. And so we're going to come to our time of confession. Christ, the light of the world, has come to dispel the darkness of our hearts. In his light, let us examine ourselves and confess our sins. And we say together, Most merciful God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we confess that we have sinned in thought, word and deed. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbours as ourselves. In your mercy, forgive what we have been. Help us to amend what we are and direct what we shall be, that we may do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with you, our God. Amen. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and keep you in life eternal through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Uh, Carolyn's going to bring us our reading from Micah, and then John will preach. Thank you both. This morning's reading is taken from the book of Micah, chapter 5, starting at verse 2. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Therefore Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labour bears a son, and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will live securely for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. And he will be our peace when the Assyrians invade our land and march through our fortresses. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I was just asking if the children were going out, and she said they've gone. So. <laughs> They're going now. Well, have a good time, and uh, don't worry about us. We'll be all right.
Micah. People heard us at Micah this morning and looked with me, looked on me with pity. <laughs> Poor thing, they said. Um, I don't know about you, but I find the prophets the hardest part of the Bible to read and understand, particularly the minor prophets. And it's not surprising, really, because um, firstly, they are full of details and images which were pertinent to their time, and, and we have little idea what they were. I talked to my sister on the phone uh, this week, and uh, as we often do, she mentioned cheese. And straight away, we think of the great trees, uh, the great cheese hamper Christmas that was 2019, when just about everybody in the family sent us a cheese hamper, and we were inundated. Now, she just mentioned cheese, and immediately we knew what she was talking about. And uh, it often crops up in conversation, and that picture comes to mind. And it's like that with these uh, uh, prophets. Um, there, there are little words and phrases which the people of the time would have immediately connected with something in their past and in their history. Uh, the, um, the, the, in the commentaries, the, the scholars point out several phrases, particularly in chapters 4 and 5, and those who heard it at the time would immediately know it referred to King David, they would know which uh, event in his life and what that was all about. Most of us would have missed it. I know I would. Secondly, prophecy is a, time, a, a type of writing or biblical prophecy, a type of writing or proclamation which we don't just have uh, in the same way today. In biblical prophecy, you can have side by side things relating to the past, something for the present, and something for the, the future, either near or distant. Maybe in the same paragraph or even in the same sentence. The minor prophets are, are like the Eric Morecambe writings of the Bible. You remember Eric Morecambe when he was challenged about playing the piano and he said, I'm playing all the right notes, not necessarily in the right order. Well, it's, it's like that. In, it's, it's all there, the past, the present and the future, but not necessarily in the right order. And here in Micah, there are references back to King David 300 years before. There are warnings about judgment soon to come within the next few years. And there's future judgment in a hundred years or so. And there is also the promise, as we've just read in chapter 5, the promise of another king, an even better king than David, who was to come in 650, 700 years. The references don't occur chronologically in the writings and they flip from one era to another even in the same paragraph. I told you the prophets were tricky to read and understand. And I'm not going to try and unscramble all of that this morning and take each word and tell you, tell you how they would have viewed it in that day because, well, you know, it'd be sort of interesting in a sort of way but we wouldn't learn a great deal that way to be honest with you so i'm what i'm hoping to do is to give you an overview of the whole book and suggest ways in which this might speak to us today firstly we need to understand micah's world in order to understand what he's saying <laughs> what was going on in micah's time so here is a sort of lightning horrible histories of the time of, of Micah. He prophesied between 751 AD and 687 AD, uh, uh, BC. Uh, yeah, 
I've got AD down here, that's obviously wrong. It was 700 years or so before Jesus, around the time of Isaiah. Isaiah was around at the same time. At the beginning of his time, there were two kingdoms. You remember when, when Solomon passed away, the tribes of Israel fell out and they split into two groups and they each had their own kingdom with their own king. The northern kingdom, Israel, and the southern kingdom, Judah. And both kingdoms at various times drifted from true worship of God into uh, uh, to, uh, fo following all sorts of strange idols and doing very strange things. And um, it depended on which king was reigning. Some like Ahaz and Manasseh were very evil and other, uh, others like Hezekiah were very good. The evil ones brought in things like idol worship and even human sacrifice. So the two kingdoms were flip-flopping between following God and following anybody but God. And so Micah's ministry over 64 years included some very turbulent times indeed. In Israel, some very bad kings led to the eventual fall of the kingdom to the Assyrians. The Assyrians came in, wiped them out, and they took the people into exile. So the northern kingdom was gone, and that happened in Micah's time. In Judah, where Micah was based, a very bad king, Ahaz, was followed by Hezekiah, who was a blessed relief. He, uh, he reigned for 29 years in Judah. He tried to re-establish worship, true worship of the Lord. He reopened the temple and restored it. You can imagine the temple had been uh, allowed to go into disrepair and was not used. You tell how bad it had got. And he reinstituted the celebration of the Passover. But then following him came uh, Manasseh, who was a very bad king indeed. That's the world that Micah was living in, and that was the world that Micah was bringing God's word to. And he spoke into all these situations. He warned them that God's judgment would fall on Israel, the northern kingdom, which of course it did very soon. But he also warned that Judah was similarly infected. He said, you know, better than Israel, you're going the same way. The same failure to love and worship God. And he said, you will also receive God's judgment. Which it did, but not for another hundred years or so. But as well as the gloom and doom and disaster and judgment, he declares that God's punishment is not the end. Israel will rise again. They will return to loving and serving God again. He will raise them up. Indeed, in the last chapter of, of the prophecy, we read these words. Who is a God like you, who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. You will again have compassion on us. Saying, despite all this stuff that's going on, there is hope. Now, chapters 4 and 5 of the book include some of the more upbeat and positive uh, messages which Micah brings, including a declaration that after all the terrible events of judgment and exile that the Lord will bring on his people, he will bring them back. There will be peace again. He's speaking there of something which will happen long after he, Micah, 
has passed away. And part of the future promise that is in these verses is uh, a little bit in chapter 5 about Bethlehem, which is why this particular passage gets trotted out every year at this time. This is one of the uh, dozens of clues in the Old Testament about God's plans. Remember, Mike is speaking about what's going, what God is going to do, and, and here he's saying Bethlehem. Bethlehem's going to be important. And basically, he says, you look back to the uh, golden days of King David, but one even greater than David will come, also born in Bethlehem. It's actually unthinkable that David, the great king, would come from Bethlehem. But actually, he's saying, there's another, an even greater king, on the way from the same place. Now, in our day, a one-donkey hamlet like Bethlehem would have been bulldozed down to create an out-of-town shopping mall. But this little place was in God's purpose and plan. <coughs> Bethlehem would be the centre of the action when he breaks through into the world in a new way. And it's all here in Micah, 700 years before. Of course, these verses speak of Jesus. And God chose little insignificant Bethlehem to receive the saviour of the world. Now, Mike is quoted in a number of places in the New Testament, but it's quoted particularly in the events of that first Christmas. Let me remind you. You remember when the wise men reach Herod, they follow the star, they're looking for the, for the new king. And they ask Herod, where's the new king to be born? And he uh, consults his wise men, the religious experts of the day. It's a bit like Boris Johnson consulting sage, you know. And they tell him straight away, Bethlehem. There's a prophecy in Micah, they say, a new king would be born there. Isn't it amazing that that prophecy had been around 600 years, and yet they were still... They were still aware of it. They were still looking to it. They were still expecting it. And they said to her, this is where it's going to happen. It will be in Bethlehem. Now I find it strange. They've been waiting all that time for this big event to occur. And now it seems it's happening. But they weren't excited. What we read is they were disturbed they were disturbed surely this was great news why weren't they excited why weren't they racing to their donkeys and hightailing it to Bethlehem this is what they'd waited 600 years for if, if in the papers it had been saying that a big player was going to come and sign for Shrewsbury Town and then on Facebook, somebody, uh, somebody uh, posts, I've just seen Lionel Messi in his Honda Jazz come around Dobby's roundabout and he's heading for the ground. <sighs> well, I'm, I mean, there would be thousands down there with their bobble hats and their scarves and the singing, the singing would reach Telford. Well, actually, it's probably not Lionel Messi, it was Leonard Massey. He's 48 and he was going to the club shop to buy his son a Christmas present. But we signed him anyway. 
But why weren't they excited? One commentator suggests that they were concerned that the arrival of a new king might upset the apple cart, would disrupt their cosy and comfortable way of doing things, their man-made religion. And that certainly seems to fit when you look through into the New Testament and you see how the religious leaders of the day reacted to Jesus. They didn't like him. He was, he was saying things that, uh, that disrupted their cozy way of life. He was challenging them. They didn't like it very much. So maybe there's some truth in what the commentators suggest there. And it's a thought to ponder. When God breaks into our situation, into our churches, in a new way, it might not conform to our expectations and desires. He doesn't come to do what we want him to do or in the way that we want him to do it. It might actually be challenging and very uncomfortable for us. Are we prepared for that? It's an important question we need to ask, particularly at this time in our church. But what can we take away from this prophecy? What's the big message here? What's the overview? This is a sort of, a, it's, a, it's a blunt instrument really, in looking at it in this way, not going into all the details. But we, the big picture is something that we need to grasp. And if we sum up the message of Micah, it's that God is working out his purposes. Micah's saying, look, here's 600 years. This is what God's going to do. And that's what God did do. The Lord has a plan for his people. And through Micah, he gives some clues as to how that plan will unfold over the next 600 years or so. No matter what is happening, however dark things may be for them with defeat or exile, the Lord is sovereign and he is unshakably working towards their future blessing. There's the message of Micah. Micah says the exile is coming, and it is part of God's purpose to bring the nation to its senses. You see, the Lord knew that they would, they would only throw away the idols and their magic spells if he humbles them completely. He brings them to their knees to the point where they have no option but to turn back to him and find him again. Judgment came on Judah too. God's way of bringing them back into a loving relationship, helping them to find him again. Now we've got to be careful here not to start thinking that every bad thing that happens is God's punishment for our sins. Now don't ever go away with that message. It's not what I'm saying. Since Jesus, there are other ways of dealing with our sin. But what we can say is that God is constantly at work on his plans to bless us and draw us to himself. The tough times that we face and the mess that the world is in is most of the time a result of man's bad choices, selfishness, greed, of man's inhumanity to man. We've brought it on ourselves mostly and God weeps over those things. But God takes every situation and he uses it and he weaves it into his purposes his plans will not be thwarted 
Often it's not obvious how he's, uh, it's, it's not obvious how he's doing that. And many a time his plans are more long time, more long term than we could possibly imagine. The promised king of David, the one, the, the promised king following David, the, the one who was greater, but when he took 600 years to arrive. Many a time we do not know, we cannot tell what he is up to. It doesn't make sense. But in faith, we come to know that his ways and his wisdom are far beyond us and are always proved to be far better. There is much that we do not know. But we do know, because it's oft repeated in scriptures, that he warned us following him would be a difficult, sacrificial journey. Take up your cross and follow me, he said. In this godless world, you will continue to experience difficulties. We know that he'll be with us in our troubles because when he said, in this godless world, you continue to experience difficulties, he said, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Hebrews, it says, I will never fail you or forsake you. In Isaiah, wrote, don't be afraid, I've redeemed you. I've called you by name, you're mine. When you're in over your head, I'll be there with you. When you're in rough waters, you will not go down. When you're between a rock and a hard place, it won't be a dead end. Because I am God, your personal God, the Holy of Israel, your Saviour. We do not know uh, how, but we know that God uses the hardships to enable our faith to mature and to be strengthened. The bumps are what we climb on, as they say. And through the hard times, we learn what trust really is. My friends, whatever is happening, whether it's COVID, or illness, heartache, bereavement, disappointment, accident, injustice, our God is with us in it and through it. He is working out his plans and nothing can thwart his purposes. He has a plan, and it is always for our highest good. Love beyond measure, mercy without limit, and grace which is boundless and free. We can be confident of the present and the future, because our God is sovereign. Our God reigns. Amen. Thank you, John. And as a response to what John has, has said, let's sing our next song. Who can know the mind of the Creator? Thank you, Chris. Would you like to stand and sing?
seated. And we move now to our time of intercession. When I say, Lord, in your love, could you please respond with, hear our prayer. Lord, in your love, hear our prayer. Christ is coming. The day of the Lord brings salvation for all. In our service today, filled with hope, let us rejoice in God with us. As disciples of Christ, we must always be present to God. May our hearts become a home for the Lord. Lord, in your love, hear our prayer. We remember all women today who are pregnant, particularly in the light of the COVID crisis. May the Lord grant them the support and love they need at this time. Lord, in your love, hear our prayer. As we prepare for the day of the Lord, may our hearts be filled with the love, integrity and joy of the good news of Christ. Lord, in your love, hear our prayer. We pray for the Church of God everywhere. May we all be prepared to do his will and work together for justice and the salvation of our, Lord, of our world. We pray for those who live in fear and despair because of conflict and violence, slavery and abuse. May we respond to their needs with compassion and love. Lord, in your love, hear our prayer. And we remember especially the sick, those in hospital, those who are housebound, wherever they may be. May God grant them the blessings they need at this time. Lord, in your love, hear our prayer. And let's pray for the families and friends of those who've recently died and for all who mourn that they may be comforted. Lord, in your love, hear our prayer. Now let us just spend a few moments in silence as we pray for the things on our heart. Almighty and ever-living God, as we wait in faith for the feast of our Lord's birth, grant that we may experience the happiness that our Saviour brings and joyfully celebrate his coming. We ask this through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And shall we say the creed together? The words will appear on the screen. So we say together in faith, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. We believe in God the Father who created all things, for by his will they were created and have their being. We believe in God the Son who was slain, 
for with his blood he purchased us for God from every tribe and language, from every people and nation. We believe in God, the Holy Spirit. The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. Even so, Lord, Lord Jesus. Amen. In the tender mercy of our God, the day spring from on high shall break upon us to give light to those who dwell in darkness and in the shadow of death, and to guide our feet in the way of peace. The peace of the Lord be always with you. And let's uh, stay seated and, and just offer each other a sign of peace from where we are. And we're going to use Eucharistic prayer E. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Father, you made the world and you love your creation. You gave your Son, Jesus Christ, to be our Saviour. His dying and rising have set us free from sin and death. And so we gladly thank you with saints and angels praising you and saying, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. We praise and bless you, loving Father, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And as we obey his command, send your Holy Spirit, that broken bread and wine outpoured may be for us the body and blood of your dear Son. On the night before he died, he had supper with his friends, and taking bread, he praised you. He broke the bread, gave it to them, and said, Take Eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when supper was ended, he took the cup of wine. Again he praised you, gave it to them and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so, Father, we remember all that Jesus did. In him we plead with confidence his sacrifice made once for all upon the cross, bringing before you the bread of life and the cup of salvation. We proclaim his death and resurrection until he comes in glory. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Lord of all life, help us to work together for that day when your kingdom comes, 
and justice and mercy will be seen on all the earth. Look with favour on your people, gather us in your loving arms, and bring us with all the saints to feast at your table in heaven. Through Christ and with Christ and in Christ, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honour and glory are yours, O loving Father, for ever and ever. Amen. As our Saviour taught us, so we pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. We break this bread to share in the body of Christ. Though we are many, we are one body, because we all share in one bread. Draw near with faith. Receive the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he gave for you, and his blood which he shed for you. Eat and drink in remembrance that he died for you, and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. The stewards will, di stewards will direct you forward. We do have gluten-free wafers, if you would prefer those. Um, and we'll follow our, our usual practice of taking the bread and wine back to our seats so we can all consume together. Thank you.
the body of Christ broken for you. And the blood of Christ keep you in eternal life. Amen. Before we say our prayer after communion, let's remember those of our fellowship who have special difficulty at this time. And so, Father, we pray for those members of our fellowship who are ill, who are in residential care, and, Lord, for those for whom this is a first Christmas without loved ones. Lord, we ask that your blessing will be on them and that they will know your peace and your presence at this particular time of year. We ask this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. So let's say together the prayer after communion. Generous God, you have fed us at your heavenly table. Set us on fire with your spirit that when Christ comes again, we may shine like lights before his face, who with you and the Spirit lives forever. Amen. And we're going to join together in our final song, that great Advent hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Thank you, Chris.
Chris. Um, before we close, just uh, um, an advert, if you like, for January. Um, as many of you will remember, and many of you um, took part in, that, that we had a month of prayer in August, and we had a lot of thoughts and contributions from people. Um, some of us have spent the last few months sifting through them and just trying to hear what God has to say to us as a fellowship. And I, I don't think I'm jumping the gun, am I, Peter, by saying that in January there is going to be a series of sermons based on the contributions and the thoughts that people had during that month of prayer. And so, our final blessing. May God himself, the God of peace, make you perfect and holy and keep you all safe and blameless in spirit, soul and body for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son and Holy Spirit be with you and remain with you now and evermore. Amen. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. In the name of Christ. Amen. Thank you. So, 